turnkey essentially is a property that's ready to move in. The idea and the concept is that you can go into the house, turn the key, and be ready to move in 100%. Are you ready to transform your life? This is a no-nonsense show helping immigrants like you create generational wealth, even while working full-time. Get ready to take notes. Here's your host, Socket Jane. Welcome back, my Great to Wealth listeners. Today, I have the pleasure to speak to Eileen Park. She's the person who actually got me started on podcasting. I'm very excited to bring her as a guest. Thank you, Eileen. Thank you so much, Saket. I appreciate you having me on. I'm super excited about all the success that you've been having with your podcast. And well, thank you. You know, if I would not have even thought about launching one if I didn't talk to you. So I, I, all the credit goes to you. So thank you. Thank you for <laughs> letting me express my voice in the world. So Eileen, where are you based again? Remind us. I'm in California, out in Orange County. Orange County. I don't know if you ever told you, when I moved from India about 22 years ago, Orange County, I spent about three months in Orange County and I love it. I was in mm. Santana. Is Santana there? Is that Santana, where it is? yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So that's where I love. I love the market. I mean, you know, coming from India, that was like, oh my God, uh, where did I land up? It was amazing, amazing experience. I remember the art center there was amazing too. The whole place. I love Orange County. Yeah, I do too. You can't beat the weather and there's just so much food and yes. so many things to do here. So Correct. Except the taxes. Everything else good. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. But that's why <laughs> that's we got true. real estate, right? So you don't have to. You can minimize those taxes. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, Eileen, tell our listeners, as we were talking offline, the name of our show is Migrate to Wealth, right? And the most important factor there is the word migrate. It's actually not the wealth, because everything starts with somebody trying to migrate in their life intentionally from one point to another, hopefully progressing and not going the backward direction. And that's really the show is about. It's kind of like showing your journey and highlighting that journey to make sure the user can draw some nuggets out of that story to make sure they can connect with you with through your stories, potentially build a path that you have been able to build with your husband now. So Arlene, with that, I will let you talk about your migration story in life. So I guess if we're going to talk about my migration, we have to go all the way back and start off with my parents and where they came yeah. from, because that started my entire journey. It's a foundation of everything who I am today, right. how I became who I am. So, you know, my parents, they were, you know, they lived in Cambodia, born and raised. They ended up during the time where there was war, there was a mass genocide. So there was a lot of difficult times that they had to overcome during that time. They lost a lot of family members. And so when the war was over, they decided to immigrate outside and to look for opportunities, look for a place where they could rebuild themselves. And they ended up in the United States. And so for them, they came here to the country, not having any knowledge of the English language, no knowledge of the culture or anything like that. But what just the, you know, the idea of the American dream, you know, you could create something for yourself. And so they really worked hard. And ever since we were young, you know, my parents always instilled in me, you have to really build yourself up and get a strong education, build a foundation for yourself because they learned that everything can be taken away from you. You know, your food, your family, everything like that can be taken from you. But what can't be taken away from you is your health and your or your knowledge and what you've learned. Sure. And so you can always rebuild yourself up from there. And so that's where my foundation started at. And so when I you know, grew up, 
had to make sure I got good grades, built a really strong foundation for myself, uh, went to a good college, got my MBA, got went on to get a good job. And then, you know, once that part of my life was solidified, then I could start exploring different things and try to figure out, you know, is this the best path for me? Right. And that's kind of kind of stemmed to where I am today, where, you know, they started with real estate investing and, you know, we found that they did other stuff too, but we saw them build up their wealth within real estate as well to prepare themselves for retirement and things like that. So we always knew it was a great place to be. And so we kind of followed their path also and looked for different ways. And we started educating ourselves and looking at the possibilities out there. And as the more and more we network with other people, we found out there's other ways to do real estate investing other than just doing the regular single families investing right. in our own backyard. And so that's where we ended up with uh, multifamily syndications is where we are today is our focus in real estate. Wow, my God, I mean, what, what an interesting journey. I think sometimes this is what I love about this podcast or any podcast in general, because when do we actively take time as a guest and as a host to reflect back on our life and kind of think about our journey and kind of being appreciative of the of what those hardships that your parents had to face, right? Mm-hmm. And I cannot imagine leaving the country out of desperation because you had to. Like at least with me, I had choice. I could have stayed back or I came here. I chose to came back. So things happened. I immigrated here because of choice. And unfortunately for your parents, they didn't necessarily have the choice, right? So what's interesting, even before you even go to your journey, I actually want to talk to you about one thing about your parents' journey, because something was interesting is, so they came into this country without understanding English, right? And I'm assuming not having a lot of connection here with other folks. So it's not like they had a support group. And did I hear you correctly? They were investing in real estate? Not in the very beginning, (laughs) not in the very beginning, over time, they had to build themselves up. And so, you know, they started their own business, they worked, they, you know, got went to school and things like that. But it wasn't until later in life that they discovered real estate. And then when we started seeing them doing that, we're like, oh, you know, real estate is great. We understand it makes sense to us. That is amazing. That see, I think this is the beauty of investing, right? Once you open your eyes to it, and of course, your parents did which was amazing that it's not just the hard work, it's a smart work. And hard work, yes, you can generate the cash out of it, but you want to deploy that cash in an interesting as well. So now let's move to your journey, right? So, of course, you did everything right on paper, right? Which is amazing that you got all the right degrees, you got the MBA school, you worked at great companies, I'm assuming. You know, all those things were great. Why do real estate at that point? Because you're making good money, right? You're successful, especially as an immigrant, you are the good child. So help me understand that. Where did you, where did the pivot happen? I think that there's always a drive and a need because coming from an immigrant family, you always want to, I'm always thinking about, you know, what are some of the ways that I can continue to build myself up because my parents sacrificed so much to come to this yeah. country and look at where they've gotten with nothing in their back pocket, no connections, yeah. no networks and everything like that. And they built a really solid foundation for me and my sister. And so to have that ability to continue to build up from where they provided that foundation and just continue to build up upon them and their hopes and dreams are, you know, that their children and my children will just continue to do better and better because our foundation, our starting point was so much further ahead than where they started off with. 
And so there was always just a drive and a need to, you know, want to figure out ways to do better, do well, and then continue to almost in a sense, like make your parents proud and repay their hard works and show them like, you know, you didn't come to this country just for nothing. You know, look what we've been able to accomplish. Correct. Correct. So let's actually go back to that time because there's always a decision moment, right? That it may have happened over time, but one day you woke up and you Mm -hmm. said, we're doing it. So let's go back to that day if you can. What was going through your head? I can pinpoint it almost exactly because it was when I was pregnant with my child, Mm -hmm. my first son. And at that time, you know, I was working the corporate job. I was going to work nine to five, but you know, had a long commute and everything like that. So I didn't have the car. I, I van killed yeah. other people because the commute was just so far. Traffic was just terrible in Los Angeles. And so then when I had my son, you know, I got the three months of paid paternity or maternity leave, got to spend every day with him. And then after those three months had ended, we had to make a decision to put him into daycare, trust that other people were going to, mm-hmm. strangers were going to take care of him as much to their best of their ability as they could without us being there. So we had to really trust some strangers. And so we had to make a really difficult decision. And I remember about like two or three weeks after we had left him in the daycare, I get a call from the school and they said, hey, you know, your son, he has a high fever, he's sick, you need to come pick him up right now. He can't be in school anymore. And so, or like at least for their policy is like 24, 48 hours, you can't have right. a fever. And so as a first time mom, first time parent, you're scrambling and I'm like, I don't have a car. I can't get there to my son immediately. I feel almost in a sense like a failure as a parent because I couldn't be there for him right away when he needed it. And so I think that's when the light bulb really kicked off because it's like I wanted to create a future or some place where I had more control over my time and how I spent it. And for me, it was important to be there for my children, for my family and put them first. And so that spiraled into a journey of looking for different ways to build up passive income, to build up wealth and other streams of income. So in case something were to happen, we have something to fall on of and we can take control back into our lives. Yeah. Isn't that interesting, Alan? Kind of like, I think you're not the only parent who has faced that, right? Kind of like there are a lot of parents, including ourselves, me and my wife, where you want to be there for your child, but you're trying to make money by going outside. And then you realize that a stranger's raising your child, either in the house or outside of the house. And then you come back, you're one day you're like, why am I working so hard? And when I don't have, when my child needs it, I'm not there. Like, I think I, think I read a very interesting story one time that mom, I can't, I'm paraphrasing it. I think it was more about, hey, mom, can you give the purse to my nanny, your purse? She's like, no, I can't because I don't trust her with the money. So the child come back and says that, oh, so you trust me with the nanny, but not your purse. That every really time I <laughs> every time I think about that story it gives me shivers. I'm like, oh my God, that is so true, right? Because one of our most precious um, commodities are wrong way of saying it, but the assets are our own kids, right? Yeah. And we're letting them being raised by strangers because it's such a common practice does not mean it has to be. Right. So I'm actually amazed at how you looked at it that you're basically saying, what can I do differently instead of accepting the norm? What can I do differently to make sure that if my child needs me again, let me create a future where it's fine. If it stays status quo is great. But when my child needs it, if my child needs it, I'm going to drop everything. 
but my life's not going to change, right? Which is an important because most of folks, what's the reason for us to do what we do is really go out and make money so we can provide for the family, right? And that's unfortunately coming from fear first, that if I don't do this, I'm going to lose my job, right? That if I tell my boss I need to leave every other day at 12 to 2 p.m. because I have to spend time with my kid, they're not going to let me keep that job which is going to happen is then I won't make money. And because I'm not going to make money, I would, won't be able to provide for, my, provide for my family. But if you think about it very differently, where I have passive income, that's going to be able to support my family. And I'm doing a job because I want to, not because I have to. The equation changes completely. What are your thoughts on that, Eileen? No, absolutely. I 100% agree with that because now you have the choice. And that's the whole reason we started off with the real estate and looking for other ways to build up the wealth and passive income is because we wanted to have that choice. Yeah. Because if you don't have that other income and you're solely relying on just an employment, like your W-2 job to bring in a check every two weeks or whatever like that, you don't have a choice in that sense. Correct. And so we needed to bring it back into our court and to create environment where now we can make the decisions. And if we wanted to stay with our jobs because we enjoy what we do, Perfect. we choose to do that. Perfect. And there's no, and, but and it's especially, not for yeah. Yeah, especially in times now, right? We're, especially if you're in tech right now, and hopefully you don't have to, my listeners, none of this has happened to them, but chances are you know somebody. If it has not happened to you, you know somebody who has lost a job right? Imagine the plight at that point is in where everyone was thinking last two years that nothing's going to happen to the economy. The jobs are great. I'm just going to switch a job, leave my current job, ask for 20, 30, 40% raise. And I'm going to be fine, which is good. But eventually that train, that gravy train, train runs out, right? What happens at that time? And again, there's nothing wrong in taking those opportunistic moves. I think what we're saying is there is a parallel path that can also make sure that if something were to happen, not just you got laid off, but what if you had a health risk, right? One of my friends recently got diagnosed with some growth in his brain, and it has had a lasting impact to him now, and they just bought a pretty expensive home, assuming that both the families are going to be contributing, both parents are going to be contributing to the mortgage. Now that completely shrunk. Now you're only dependent on one person's income, at least until that person recovers, right? And hopefully recover soon, but you don't know that. I think that those are the things we we're trying to say is that life's, you can imagine a perfect life and we all wish and hope that everyone has it, but you have to be ready if something is thrown at you. And that's really where the passive income comes in, where the investing comes in. And eventually, I think, I mean, your goal and my goals align. We want to make investive our active. So now we're basically taking things on steroids. <laughs> but if you, not everyone's going to be there today when you started. It took a long journey, right? We both had to spend right. a lot of time understanding, learning, building the network. So the active investing is not that straightforward. But that's really the goal because then you're doing really what you're, what's building your passive wealth even at a faster pace. Absolutely, right. So Aileen, tell us about what do you, kind of like your reason to pivot. I am making an inference here that your parents predominantly invested in single family right? Mm -hmm. And that's when you started to make that shift. That's really what was the first single asset class that you were going after, because that's just you knew because of the familiarity. So what made that shift from single family to multifamily? And again, let's go back to the day 
when you made that switch? I love thinking about those specific moments. What made you shift that thinking? So my parents, they invested in single family, but they're multiple units. So they're like four or five boxes and things like that. So we understood the economies of scales. And, you know, if one tenant were to be gone, then the other ones at least could help cover the mortgage and things like that. You weren't 100% unoccupied at that point. Yeah. And so, but like you mentioned, you know, single family is still a place where you understood it makes sense. And so we decided to follow that path also and do turnkey actually outside of California. Nice. And so we did a couple of turnkeys, but then that same thing happened to us. It's like we worked with the property manager. It was, you know, you were still having to work with the property manager and it was difficult right. because they're not you, right? And so there, <laughs> so yeah. there's some type of level of communication and you needed to communicate and so manage the property managers at the same time. And so there were difficult tenants and other things that happened too. And we also had some repairs that need to be done after, you know, like a, a year or two when we were holding the properties. And so that wiped out all of our cash flow for the year almost, or at least half of it. And so it made us realize like, oh, this isn't really the path that we want to pursue because when we did the backwards calculation of where do we need to end up and how many properties do we need to prop to acquire in order to meet that goal? Yeah. We're like, we have to do this like how many times over? And it's a lot of work and it would still build it up. And I mean, single family is fantastic. It's great. A lot of people have been able to build up wealth through that. But for us, it didn't just, it didn't meet our goals and what we were trying to achieve. And it didn't really excite us as much as we thought it would. Right. And so the more we started networking and talking to other people in real estate, that's when we learned about multifamily syndications. And that's when we were like, the light bulb went off. We're like, you can actually own an apartment building. Like these buildings that are hundreds of units, somebody like myself and yourself, we own a part of that. Correct. It didn't make sense to us at first. And it was like mind blowing. And then as yeah. you're driving down the streets, all of a sudden you're seeing all these different apartments and you're like the filter went off of your glasses yeah. or something like yeah. that. And you're just seeing it everywhere. And you're like, oh, the possibilities are there. The model, the scalability is there you're actually like investing in a business and not just in a single family home where it's based off of the comparables. And for us, we really like that model. And so we decided to shift completely into multifamily. Love that. I'm going to interrupt really quick here because I think I want to make sure that we talk about a few different words here. I know they're very common to you and I, because that's the world we live in. Turnkey, right? Let's explain turnkey to our listeners. I'll let you do that because it's an important understanding of what is a turnkey. So turnkey essentially is a property that's ready to move in. The idea and the concept is that you can go into the house, turn the key and be ready to move in hundred percent. So the finishing, everything like that, the renovations, all of that is already done complete. And we even had a tenant in place when the, at the time we had closed it as well. We worked with the company to purchase the turnkey properties from. And so it was really supposed to be a more passive investment opportunity. And so when we say turnkey, it's minimizing and reducing the amount of renovations and things yeah. that you have to do on top of purchasing the property afterwards. Perfect. I think we'll, we'll talk about turnkey a little bit. If you go back to the, for the listeners here, if you go back to episode two with Aaron Adams from Alpine Capital, he's a turnkey provider. And, and you listen to him, he basically talks about a lot of these things, right? And they work, but they work if you want to not grow and not scale. 
Like if you're talking about hundreds and two hundreds of properties, there's a lot of work because now you're managing them to manage these, right? And each unit has a different challenge. And then if one unit is vacant, it's hundred percent vacant, and they're rehab properties. So it's a different market for a different investor. But I know Eileen, that's how I got started as well. But we're not talking about that today. Now we're talking about syndications, right? So how did you? Who was helpful for you? To make that thinking that you know what, not only rich people—I know you didn't say that—but not only rich people own apartments, but people like you and I, which is what the phrase you used, people like you and I can also own one. Was there? Did you read a book? Where did, did you talk to somebody? What was the impetus? It was exactly what we're doing right now. It's listening to the podcasts like yours and just consuming the knowledge and the information that was out there, the free content. And driving to work every day, you have such a long commute. So all I did right. was just listen to podcasts on the way back home. Listen to podcasts, and it was like going down a rabbit hole and just trying to, like, drinking out of a fire hose in a sense. Because now this like new entire world just opened up, and you're like,、right. oh, what are the possibilities out over there?、Right. So we just started listening to as many podcasts as we could, and we just started hearing these stories over and over and over again. And everybody who started was. Just simple, just、yeah. you know, a normal worker, just like yourself and myself, and、right. they were able to build a huge portfolio, build up all this, you know, time freedom for themselves, wealth, and everything like that. And so we're like, if they can do it, if we apply ourselves, we take the knowledge that we have, have some help. Also, we can also achieve this type of success as well. Yeah. So help us explain that journey now, Eileen. So you made that call, you made that decision to move into multifamily. Did you start as a passive? Did you become a syndicator right away? Help us understand that journey for you. How did that look like? So, in the beginning of my story, I told you how you know what was ingrained into me was my parents always saying you have to have a solid foundation. You have to、yeah. build up your knowledge base. And so for us, that's what we did: is we studied, we learned, we got to a certain point where we felt comfortable enough with it that we understood, you know. Pretty top level about what the environment looks like. What are the ins and outs? What kind of questions we should be asking people? And so we're like, okay, well, we got to a certain point in our education where we couldn't go any further, and so we had to take action. Was the next step for us?、Mm-hmm. So we decided to invest as a limited partner, as a passive investor first, with another experienced operator in a market that we were interested in. And so we wanted to see how they operated, how the model actually works in action,、yeah. and then have this proof of concept first before we decided to continue to move forward down this path. It was almost like an experiment for us. We were like, okay, let's invest in this. You know, let's vet the sponsor out, make sure that we're investing with people that we know, like, and trust, and then seeing how this all plays out and whether or not it's what we expect it to be、right. or not. Did it? It yes, it absolutely did, and I'll share. This doesn't happen all the time, and and we've found that out for you know we've invested in several other deals too. But that first deal we did in about nineteen months, it ended up going full cycle for us, and so they had congratulations. Up, 
Yes. And so it's super exciting. And we ended up getting a nice multiple equity multiple on that deal and everything like that. And so you get those little like bursts of dopamine where you get to see right. like you're right. This is the fruits of our labors. This is why we're doing this. How many times can we do this over and over and over again? Let's roll right. this into the next deal. So I think when we have a no investor left behind philosophy, so full cycle, right? That's again, a term you and I use every single day. What is that? Full cycle means that you go from, you know, purchasing the property, closing it out, operating it, and then eventually selling off the property and you end up making, you know, the appreciation or whatever the new value of it. Mm -hmm. And that value is now distributed across the investors, the general operators. And that is basically what you can consider your big payday, quote unquote. Yeah, I'll just add to that, right? So I think full cycle in my head always been, and I don't know if that's a true definition, that is you gave the money, you got everything back and then some. Yes. Right. That's yes. really the full cycle is the money came back to you with returns on top of it, not just the invested capital, hopefully. Right. I mean, if things work out and the process work out and our plan works out and everything, there's a lot of unknowns and a lot of variables. That's why we never say that it's going to work. This is what we're projecting to make it happen. Right. So right. that's really what my own always meant the full cycle that I gave somebody the money and they gave it back to me with something on top, hopefully, and not less. So it has never been less. It's actually always been more. So now, Aileen, help us understand one thing, right? So you have created some passive income for you. How are you taking use of the time that you have created for yourself? Because I know you're also a busy person because hard work is so instilled in you. You have an amazing podcast. And we were just talking about some of the milestones that you have hit on your podcast, which is incredible. Congratulations again. So you're. it seemed like you're getting more busy instead of getting more free. So help us understand that. How are you balancing that? No, I thank you for that question because it really is the case. It's like you get more busy, but the thing is our priorities have changed. They shifted now. And so even though before you're working your normal job, your W2 nine to five job, that was before the priority. And so that was everything that we put ourselves into. And Mm -hmm. it's like, well, I have to do this. I have to make a living. And so then now the priority shifted where it's like, okay, I have to put my family first. And so that comes first above all else. And so I need to focus on how do I spend and maximize time with the kids, with my husband, with my parents, my family, and then make sure that I don't look back 10 years from now and wonder, what did I do all these years? Why did I do what I did and work so hard to just miss out on, on all these milestones? And so for me, I think over the, you know, this journey that I've had with real estate, I really came to appreciate and also by becoming a mom and a parent myself, appreciate the importance of time and the limited amount of time that we have here on this planet, because you don't know what's going to happen to you. You don't know, you know, if you're going to be here five, 10 years, if you don't know if you're going to make it to retirement age. So we have to be focused on the now. And so I put my family first now and everything else surrounds it. I build it up around it. And so I focus time and energy on specific days and hours where um, it's not going to consume my time with my family. And so right. if they need me first, I put them above all else and then everything else kind of falls into place. It's got- and now it becomes a choice. I get to choose. Yeah. The more I get into real estate, I get to choose to be in the podcast, do the podcast, meet great people like yourself and network with other people. And so I, 
get to choose to do all these other activities. It's not that I'm being right. forced to do it. And that's the difference. It's interesting you say that because I get asked all the time, like, Saket, I thought you were quitting your W-2 to spend more time with the family. I'm like, I never said that. I always said that I want to own my own time, right? So they do, I think there's a distinction. between I don't want to be a beach bum because um, I think all of us have value to contribute to society and just kind of sitting and relaxing and enjoying your passive income is not the life I have imagined ever for me. And I'm assuming you and your husband are the same way, but it's more about, I was giving somebody an example that the day I quit my job, I distinctly remember December 2nd is my, was my last day at work. December 3rd, we decided we we're going to go to Hawaii. December 9th, we were in Hawaii for 22 days. I'm like, wow. I could not, and I did not bring my laptop, right? So I had one, and I only recorded one podcast because I had to. So because somebody canceled on me, so I had to record it. And I just took one mic on my phone. That's all I had, right? So I'm like, I would not have been able to do this if I was doing a W-2, right? I could have, but it would have a repercussion. The second example I was giving somebody was next three weeks, my kids are off for spring break. I have no meeting scheduled, nothing at all on my calendar. We're going to Orlando. We're going to Asheville. We're going to beach. Now I have my phone. If somebody needs to reach out to me, I will be there, but there is no meeting. It's actually clean. It's scary when I look at it and I'm like, this is unproductive, but it's actually the most productive time, right? Because those are the memories. That's what we're doing. I think that's what I want to just kind of reemphasize your point. You gain back your time. Now you get to choose how you spend. It does not mean you don't become, you don't, you stop being a productive member in the society. That's what your goal for freedom is. That's okay. But I don't think that's what Eileen and I are talking about. No, that's right. It's, it's not, it's not about, I mean, I think all of us would kind of agree. It'd be nice to, you know, take a month off or something like that and just lounge around and, and, you know, de-stress and just kind of get back together. But after a period of time, after a certain point in time, you'll get bored. You will get bored. <laughs> like, yeah, you're right. You'll get bored. You're right. And so it's like, what are you going to do with that time? And yeah. so if you found something that you really find energy and you like to be around the people that you're working with and you're doing different activities with and things like that, it, it doesn't become work anymore. It just becomes mm-hmm. something you're excited and passionate about. It's kind of so interesting you say that, Alan. I have to share the story. You know, as my excitement of December 3rd, I'm like, we're not going to put any alarms in the house anymore. We get up when we get up. I started to realize for the next two, three days, I was getting up at like one o'clock in the afternoon. And then I would wake up like, what happened to the entire day? The day just left me. I'm like, look, this is not the way of, this is not the way how I want to live my life. I'm like, we got to put some other structures in place. We can't just wake up whenever we wake up, wake up. If it happens to be one, if it was going to happen seven o'clock in the morning, that's one thing. But if it's happening at one o'clock, we got to figure something else out, right? No, I understand what you're saying is that you want to be productive. You want to add value to people's life. So Aileen, on that point, give us some of the, your top three. There's a lot happening in multifamily right now, right? There's a lot of news. There's a lot of, because everything is driven through capital markets, that multifamily is going up, multifamily is going down. Nobody knows where the interest rates are going to happen. I know you're actively working on some deals right now. So as a passive investor, we'll address this for our passive investors. As a passive investor, what should I look in when a deal is offered to present it to me, right? What are the top two or three things I should be looking for to make sure I protect myself from the unknowns? 
Right. And I think right now, especially as a passive investor, even as an operator, you have to be really cautious about the deals that you're getting into. You know, in the past, you could get these deals and they would appreciate so quickly in value that you'd be able to make your money off, you know, in a year, 18 months or whatever yeah. like that. The environment today is not the case. And so you have to work with sponsors who understand their numbers, who understand and who can execute their business plan. So some of the things that are really important for me as a past investor to look at is one is always reserves because for me, it's always about risk mitigation. How do we mitigate if something were to happen? Do they have enough reserves in place in case something were to happen and you have an unknown unknown? And so you need to make sure that they can cover that and we don't go into default. They need to do like capital calls back to your investors and ask for mon more money, more investment money back from your investors and things like that. So making sure that one, you have sufficient reserves and two is looking at the underwriting and the person that you're dealing with and making sure that they understand the model, the business and are they, do their goals align with your goals? Yeah. Um, and then are their forecasting and their numbers, are they realistic in this environment? For example, you mentioned the interest rates. I talked to a lender who said they've gotten so many different underwriting from different operators who are putting in a 4.5 or 5% interest market? rate in this market. And that's wow. one of the reasons why their deals can't go through because they are too optimistic right. with where the market is. And so you need to look at those types of things and see, does that make sense? Because right. That is a scary deal. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, and so completely. making sure that they actually understand the market and what's going on. And then, you know, the other metric I like to look at is rent increases and in escalation. Are they estimating, you know, year over year before people could put in seven, eight percent year over year rent yeah. increases? That's not the case now. Now we're seeing 0% rent increases in year one, potentially 0% in year two, or maybe a 3%, 2 or 3%. So you have to add in a layer of conservatism more so than you had to be before. And so you have right. to look and make sure if all their assumptions are in line with today's and current environments. Yeah. No, I think, I think this, this is amazing, right? Because I did not know about 4%. I think those syndicators should stop syndicating deals because they're just, they're not doing right to their investors, right? Because I'm sure somebody will invest along with them. But it's kind of sad when you start looking at these numbers, like how can you, I mean, if you can get a 4% loan right now, it's gold. Uh, well, so that's why the deal didn't go through because the lenders look at their underwriting and they say, mm, this doesn't make any sense. And so they can't get the debt on the property and correct. it falls apart. Falls apart. Yeah, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. I can talk to you about them. This is my passion. This is your passion. We can continue talking about this stuff. But I want to respect for your time. So we're coming towards the end of our show, Aline. So I, wanna, I usually end the show with two things, two questions. So we'll go back to one question. Again, I think you've already thought about, you must have thought about a lot of these two, these questions in your journey. So it should be very natural to you. The first question is, you know, Olaf has so many micro migrations in our own life. And when you reflect back, we couldn't have scripted anything that has happened in our life. And at the moment, while that, even your parents, right? At the moment they left Cambodia, that time was very hard. But if they actually now think back, chances are they reflect back as like they have built a very good life for themselves, for their kids. And that one decision, how hard it was, 
it actually changed the trajectory in a way that they didn't imagine, right? So what we're trying to figure out is, if you were to reflect back and come up with one, two, maybe three insights at the max for your 20-year-old self, that they can design their migration in life, whether they can architect, they can be the architect of their migration. If they were to script it, how would they do it? So what are those two or three key insights that you can share? I think one of the biggest ones I would have to say is your mindset and your limiting beliefs, because that was one of the biggest things that I had to overcome starting the podcast, getting into real estate, some of those things, you know, you hold yourself back on wanting to start this journey because you're fearful of what might or might not happen. Mm -hmm. And so you have these limiting beliefs of yourself and what you can accomplish. And so if you can help yourself overcome these issues that you have, that opens a lot of doors and opportunities and it opens up a lot of different possibilities for yourself in which way you can start creating and designing your life. Right. Now, I think I love that because that's really where everything starts. You can understand how to invest in multifamily, but if you're on the right mindset, A, you're not, either you're not going to be able to make the first step, or if you're making this first step, it's going to be so much fear that you're not going to enjoy that process. So why do anything that you don't enjoy? So I love those. This is the last question of our show is uh, really, where do you think the humanity should migrate towards? Right, kind of like everyone sees life a different way. But if you're talking about collective humanity, where do you think it should go? I think over time, you know, people, I think especially with the pandemic that we just had, one of the terrible, the pandemic, awful thing that has happened. But I think one of the positive silver linings that has come out of it is that people have become more aware of their time and their you know, the limited amount of time that they have here. So I think that has become a different cultural shift in the way that people are thinking about where do they want to spend their time? How do they value and and put some value on certain things in life now? It's not just about putting in, you know, 80 hour work weeks into your life right. anymore. It's how do I live my life more fully? How do I take back control of my time so that I can put it to things that I want to and I choose to put it to because our time here is so limited. And I think that there's just really opened up people's eyes so much more than, you know, what it was in the past. I could not have said that any better. Well, thank you again, Eileen, for sharing your amazing insights. So, Eileen, you have thrown a lot of value, great golden nuggets at our listeners. Where can they get in touch with you? So I'm on LinkedIn, so they can find me on LinkedIn at Eileen Prep, or they can also go and visit our website. We have a free passive investor due diligence checklist uh, video series, and so they can download that. It's www.bonavistcapital.com forward slash checklist. Perfect. We'll include those links in the show notes below. Thank you again, Eileen. We really appreciate you having you here. And good luck with all the deals that you're working on right now. I'm sure they'll do well. Thank you so much, Aika. Thank you for having me on. If you got value from this episode, you might consider sharing this content with a friend. But most importantly, be sure to take action on what you've learned. One way you can take the next step is to connect directly with Socket on an investor call. That link is waiting for you in the show notes below. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Please consult your own advisors when making any investment decisions. Keep listening. We'll see you on the next episode.